Awesome. Good to see everybody today. All of you in the room. Hey, how you doing? Looking good? Looking sharp? Smelling good? Looking fly? Gussied up for church this morning? Looking good? All of you guys online, I believe you're looking good by faith. But I love you just the same. So good to be with you. Joy Church online. Joy Church in person. All of us gathered together. Man, I just feel uh, just moved today here in worship. How many of you know that one of the reasons we gather as a church is to give glory to God, to worship Him, and there's something about coming together and lifting up our songs, lifting up our praise, our worship, getting refreshed and refilled and giving God glory, and then His work in us that we take, and then the rest of the week we go and bring it to the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. So I'm excited about what God's doing in and through us as a church. And how many of you know when we come on a Sunday together, whether you're online worshiping or you're worshiping here in person, that we don't bring C-plus level, B-minus level worship. We want to bring our A-plus game, our A-plus level worship. Come on, we're a singing church. We're a proclaiming church. We are giving glory to God. We're not here just to be a social club and just hang out and drink some coffee and eat some donut holes, right? We're here to proclaim that Jesus is king. Come on, there's a king on the throne. We don't have a president in the office, but we have a king on the throne. Hello? We, uh, man, I feel like a preacher today. I'm just preaching. But there's something about the, the church gathered and, and lifting up the name of Jesus that, that resonates out into the world. We're, we're proclaiming, hey, we're the city on a hill, the, the light that shines in the darkness. And there's something about our worship that matters. You know, I could preach a sermon about worship in the church, but I'm not going to do that today. We're going to go a little bit different direction. But there's something about our worship. And I just want to encourage you, even if you're at home, you're watching on a screen, maybe a tiny screen, don't mail it in. Worship God with passion. Worship God with everything you have, every time you get a chance. Scripture says, let all that is within me praise the Lord. Come on. I don't even know what I'm talking about today. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So good to be together. Man, what an awesome day. Good to be with everybody here. And uh, hopefully, you know, you got over what happened last night with the Ducks losing a football game. Uh, You know, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's a reason that God designed his team to play on Saturday and his church to gather on Sunday uh, because, you know, God's team, the Oregon Ducks, every once in a while there's that, it's like when they crucified Jesus and they thought they won, but then boom, resurrection life. And that's what's going to happen next week when we come back against the Huskies. They'll be like, wow, the offense and the defense played on the same game and it's good. We'll see what happens. Guys, before we jump into the message today, I want to just talk about something we do every December that is a, a blessing to our world and to our community uh, that we participate in. You know, uh, we are a generous church. Did you know that about Joy Church? We're generous. We support world missions. We support the gospel being proclaimed around the world with our various churches that we partner with. And we support local ministries. We've done a lot with the Eugene Mission and different things. And obviously, we're a church that is uh, building this big old barn here to gather people and, and uh, doing that. And we do something in December every year called Legacy Offering. And Legacy Offering is all about giving above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings uh, as members of the church, but saying, God, what would you have me give to build legacy for your kingdom, both around the world and locally? And so the Legacy Offering, again, we do it every December, is we just ask every family to pray and say, God, would you put an amount in my spirit? Would you speak to me to give? That this is just totally free will. This is something that you're just, all I'm asking you to do today is pray And then we'll receive that offering next week. 
in, in church and also you can give online. If you go to joyeugene.com give in the drop down, you can find the legacy category. In the past, we've done different things with missions, but let me tell you about some of the projects we're looking at doing this year with our legacy offering. So uh, this year we, we had a disaster in our community. We had the holiday farm fire. Did anybody notice that? <laughs> like it was a little smoky, kind of felt like you had gone into a Sherry's restaurant, you know, to the back room or something for a few weeks here. Uh, I just wanted to come out of that with that cool smoker lady voice, you know. You want fries with that? But I didn't get it. I just still sound like an Oregonian, but just a normal guy without a cool smoky voice. But anyways, uh, we had a disaster. We had that uh, going on, and we're, we're partnering with a local uh, organization through One Hope and a partnership of churches, and we're going to be supporting something called Sheds of Hope. And Sheds of Hope builds, you heard me right, sheds, because a lot of these people that lost their homes, that have you know, animals and tools and equipment and things and, and are lacking that, and one of the ways that, that uh, we can help them is by getting together and building sheds. And some of the guys in our church, I don't know if they're in here today, you can wave your hand if you've been doing this, have already been helping with that. But we have a, um, a guy in our church, Alan Gehring, that's working with Sheds of Hope. And so we're going to be giving some of our legacy offering to help with that, just basically to provide relief for those in our community. So we're really excited about that, uh, to help them out. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, globally, we're going to be giving towards some of our global missions partners. We partner with wonderful churches in Cambodia, churches in Africa and Liberia. We partner with churches in Mexico. And so we're going to be allocating some of those funds for our global legacy. One of the, the projects that we've done and will continue to do is we actually uh, help support missionaries uh, with their retirement because missionaries are going overseas, uh, typically, you know, kind of scraping by oftentimes in many cases and really never setting anything aside or even not able to do that. So we've actually helped partner with missionaries to create uh, retirement funds where we take some of that money, we invest it for them and say, this is for you. So as you're serving the Lord on the mission field, you know, we're putting this money aside so that you'll have something, you know, when you're done with that, which I think is a really cool, a really cool thing, allows them to just be able to focus on what God's called them to do and serve. So we're going to be partnering with missionaries and giving with our, our global focus in the Legacy Fund. And then another project that we're going to be doing locally is, did you notice that we're in this building did you notice that? Pretty cool. And uh, how many of you enjoy like air conditioning and heat and flushing toilets and chair to sit on, right? These chairs have been well and truly rumped now uh, since we've been meeting here for a couple months. But we really didn't take a whole lot of time this year based on COVID. And I, we're just not, we're not really, I might not be the best party animal. Nobody's ever said to me, you're just too much fun, Jake. In fact, the only reason I ever smile or have fun at all is because I'm married to Bethany and she's a lot of fun. Uh, I pretend to be fun up here, but really I'm all business all the time. That's really, uh, every once in a while I tell jokes and, and sometimes people laugh. But we never really just partied and celebrated the fact that God blessed us with this building. And through the generosity of us as a church, all of you guys and all of us partnering together, the Lord really did some miracles and we finished phase one of our building, which is why we're sitting here. Yeah, really exciting. But... We're, we're, actually, uh, we're actually in the wrong room. So this is not our room for, for main service. There's a whole other 13,000, 14,000 square feet of this building. Uh, if you didn't know that, over on the other side of that wall, that we need to finish and get our, our lobby and our auditorium uh, ready. And that's phase two. So as part of our legacy offering, we're also going to allocate resources. In addition to giving to missions and giving to Sheds of Hope and some of the local ministries, we're going to allocate more funds for phase two. 
Now, just to give you some idea of, of numbers, we're, we're looking to raise $500,000, which is half a million, in case you wanted to hear it that way, right? Isn't math fun? Uh, some people need to hear it that way. We're looking to raise $500,000 to be able to complete phase two of this building. And that might sound like a big number, but compared to what we had to do for phase one, peanuts, right? And we're just trusting and believing in God. Nobody agreed with me about peanuts. I know that's a lot of money, but we're going to do it together, you know, and uh, we're going to see that side of the building finished. We want to just continue to work on that side of the building and move forward because God wants to expand and grow our, our beautiful family as a church because there's a lot of people hurting that don't know Christ, a lot of people without a church. Uh, we're actually one of the only churches in Lane County that's even open. There, there's not that many that are even open. And I don't say that to be critical. Uh, I know every leader, every pastor has to pray and hear God and, and lead their church. I don't say that to be critical, but we're open and we're going to be open and we're going to reach people that need to be in church, right? And as part of that, we'd love to be able to socially distance and continue to follow all the requirements and everything that, that is set there for us. But getting that new space opened up will allow us to have a lot more people in a social distance environment and all that. And so we're excited about that. So that's our legacy offering. All you have to do uh, to take away from this today is just pray this week and say, God, would you put in my heart what you would ask me and my family to give? And if God gives you something, you know, speaks to you to give, then do that in faith. If he doesn't speak to you or you're at a place where you're not able, hey, do what you do in faith, right? That's what we're saying. This is just us responding in generosity. Bethany and I, we're going to pray this week and really ask God, God, what would you have us give? And we're blessed to be able to give. And we, we love being a part of building the kingdom and investing, putting our treasure where our heart is. Uh, scripture actually says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So we want to be in church every week because we want our kids to see this is our commitment. This is our heart. We want our resources and finances to be invested in God's house and God's purposes and his kingdom because we want our children to watch and see this is where mom and dad's heart is, where they put their treasure, where there's that investment. We're kingdom people. We're church people. We're Jesus people. So we live that out in, our, in our, what we do with our time, what we do with our money, what we do with everything about us. So that's what we're doing, guys, legacy offering. So next Sunday, we're going to receive that offering. Please pray and ask God what he'd have you to give. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, without further ado, we're going to jump into our new series. We're starting a brand new series today called Unlikely. Somebody say Unlikely. Have you ever heard something just totally crazy uh, where you're like, man, I can't believe that, but it actually happened? Anybody? Has anything ever happened to you that, you're, that you think no one will ever believe me that this happened? It's so unlikely. Anybody? But it actually happened, right? I remember one time I was at downtown Disney, outside of Disneyland, kind of in between Disneyland and California Adventures. Anybody ever been there before? There's some nice restaurants. They actually have these incredible musicians the, doing the, the busking, you know, if you will, but they're actually paid. They're professionals. One guy was playing the, the violin, and we were like, this guy's amazing. He's way better than your, your kind of like standard street musician guy, you know, and we found out that he'd actually been trained at Juilliard and was paid, you know, made way more than we did, as we're thinking, here's a guy on the street playing violin. No, he was doing well for himself, uh, and it's just, a, it's a really cool place uh, right there at downtown Disney, lots of restaurants and shops, and it's really cool. Well, my parents had taken us to Disneyland one year, and I was a teenager at the time, and I'm just kind of clawed hopping along, just walking along, you know, I had my head down, because, you know, as a teenager, I had my bowl cut going, right, my no fear shirt, anybody know? 
Yeah, yeah. Rob knows, you know. Yeah, and I'm walking along. You know, I have my Vans on. You know, that's what I wore as a teenager. I dressed like a skater, did not skate. No, I, too much risk management, even as a teenager. I knew. I can look it, but I won't do it because it's too dangerous. <laughs> Skating is dangerous. Anyways, I'm walking along. All of a sudden, this woman uh, almost runs into me, like, <coughs> gets probably about, I don't know, a foot away. And she says, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, and has this really lovely French-Canadian accent. And I saw this little kid had just run by me, and so this woman almost runs into me, and I look up into the face of Celine Dion. And I said, my heart will go on. No, <laughs> no I think I said, oh, sorry, excuse me. You know, I don't, I was, but I knew it was Celine, right? Celine, right there, you know? And she was right there, and she said, oh, excuse me. And then she kind of chased after her kid because that was her kid. And then I noticed that she had her entourage, you know, retinue, whatever. There's probably two guys that were getting ready to shoot me if I would have sang that song. <laughs> two men in black tuxedos guarding Celine. But it was Celine Dion. And so I go to my family and I'm like, Celine Dion almost ran into me. How likely is that, right? How many of you are like, oh, yeah, it happens all the time? It's a Celine sighting, totally, you know, totally normal. Not normal. Random place. I don't think she lives in L.A. I think she lives somewhere. I don't know where she lives. Uh, but anyways, almost runs into me. And she tells this story, too, because she was like, wow, I almost ran into Jake Schmelzer. It's crazy. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> totally unlikely, but it happened. Totally unlikely, but it happened. And you know, what's funny is if you've been a Christian for any length of time, or you're, even if you're just starting out this walk with God, you need to know something. God delights to do unlikely things in unlikely people, in unlikely ways, unlikely places, to achieve unlikely purposes. God loves to bring the drama. He has a flair for the dramatic. God loves to work through people that you would think no one could get anything done through that person. Why would you do it this way? And that is how God operates. He loves to surprise. And we're going to look at this today, that God likes to bring his strength and use it through weakness, that God doesn't do things in the way that we think he should do them or how he would do them. He works in unlikely ways. He uses unlikely people. And as we go into the Christmas season over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the unlikely way that God works in the world and how he started this even 2,000 years ago and before that, beginning to work through people. Because the Christmas story is just like my Celine Dion story, where it's totally unlikely, but that's what actually happened. You know, if you think about Christmas, Christmas is heaven's D-Day. Christmas is the moment where heaven invades earth, where the earth is broken, the earth has fallen, everything's gone to, to seed, you know, everything's been bad, and the prophets have been talking about the fact that a Messiah is going to come, and all of a sudden on Christmas, in the coming of Jesus, we have the invasion of heaven to earth. You with me? God is beginning to, to, to initiate his plan, not just to fix this world, but to reclaim what was taken and what was broken. And he, he, he sends his son Jesus in the, in the form of a, of a baby. He enrobes him in human flesh. We heard this word at playing bingo earlier this week at a Christmas party, enrobes, right? I got it in my head and now I have to say it on a Sunday. It's funny how that happens. That's why you don't watch bad stuff because you'll be preaching one day and you'll say this word and you'll be like, oops, shouldn't have said that. Anyways, God put himself in human form and he comes in the form of a baby and this is his invasion from heaven to earth, heaven's D-Day. But I wouldn't do it like this. If, it, if, I, if I were God, heaven forbid, right? 
I wouldn't do it in this way. That's so unlikely. It's not the right way to do it. I would get Chuck Norris, number one. I'd be like, Chuck, you and me, and we're going to get every, we're going to armor everything up. We got machine guns, Uzis. We have bandoleros like Pancho Villa. I, you know what I mean? We're coming, we're coming to invade, and we're coming with everything we've got. I'm going to get all the ninjas and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm going to get Iron Man, Tony Stark. We're coming, right? I'm going to get all the Jedi with lightsabers. You know, we're all coming to invade, like, I'm going to do it with power and strength and majesty. How many of you know that's how we think, right? If you got to win a big old war, you don't bring, like, lame choirs of singing children or something. <laughs> I have this big war, so I know what we need to do. We need to get some angels singing and some shepherds and some wise men and, like, a barn. Don't forget the barn, the manger, you know. And we're going to bring a baby. What? It's the worst plan ever. I want you to think about Dwight Eisenhower and these guys, you know, General Patton, right? Smoking a stogie with that awesome hat, the military helmet. You know what I mean? And they're there and they're like, all right, what are we going to do? We're going to invade the Nazis and drive those krauts into the Rhine, you know? And somebody goes, I know what we should do. We should get like a kid's choir, Launch him up to Normandy. That's not what you would do. It's not what you would do. And yet God, when he does D-Day, when he invades earth, he does it in the most unlikely way. But here's the deal. See, we have a world that was turned upside down with sin and in the fall, and we believe in power and force and all of this kind of stuff. But when God sent Jesus to this world of greed and violence and power, he did it in the exactly the opposite way. Why? Because God hides his power in weakness. He clothes his glory in the ordinary. And when you understand the story of Christmas, you can begin to catch a glimpse of what God even does in your life. Because how many times do you think it's too unlikely that I could do anything great? I can't really do what God's called me to do. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm too insecure, whatever it may be. But when you understand this is how God works, that he uses unlikely people in unlikely places in unlikely ways to achieve unlikely purposes, it begins to build faith and the right response in our heart to God and what he wants to do. I want to read you guys the story of Mary. Let's see if I can get back to my notes here. I want to read you guys the story of Mary. We, we know her well. She's obviously a, a re relatively important figure in the Christmas story. But she was such an unlikely individual that God chose to use and such an unlikely circumstance in how he chose to use her. It says in the book of Luke, chapter 1, we're going to put it on the screen for everyone. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And we're like, yay, but it says Mary was confused and disturbed. Did you know most of the really cool stuff God has ever done in my life started in confusion and disturbance? <clears throat> Amen. Jesus' name, I claim it for myself. No, we don't like it. But when you are going to go into a season of growth and a season of doing great things, it always starts in confusion and disturbance because discomfort is the prerequisite for breakthrough. Whether it comes to losing weight and getting fit, whether it comes to getting better financially, whatever it is, you have to get uncomfortable before you get better. And it starts here in this area of confusion and disturbance. And Mary said, tried to think what the angel could mean. 
Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. But Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And listen here to what Mary does. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. This is her cousin who's become pregnant in her old age. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And it says Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. So we've all heard this story, or at least most of us have, and we have kind of this Christmassy, right? How many of you know when it crosses into December, you start to determine if you feel Christmassy or not, right? Is it, people say, oh, I haven't felt Christmassy yet, and today was the first day that I felt Christmassy, right? <laughs> Maybe when you walked in today and you saw the Christmas tree, you were like, oh, I feel Christmassy. <laughs> but we've heard the Christmas story. <clears throat> we have kind of a Hallmark movie or Hallmark card imagery around this, but I want you to like go into the human emotion and feeling of the story, get rid of the Hallmark stuff. This is crazy. And I want you to think about Mary. She's probably a teenager. We believe she's probably 15, 14, 15, 16 years old. And I want you to think about her sitting down at the kitchen table being like, no mom, it's God's baby. (laughs) Right. Sure. I wonder how many (laughs) tried to use this throughout history, right? This is another immaculate conception. No, it, it wasn't. It was a very normal conception. She faced a lot of ridicule. Nazareth is a super small town. Everybody knows everybody. You don't hide this. This isn't something that you sort of just like conceal and everybody knows. Uh, God literally has to directly speak to Joseph in a dream and say, hey, Joe, it's okay. It's okay. This is a rough situation, right, that she's facing. She was initially confused and disturbed, and there's no lack of understanding why she would be that way. This is a difficult situation. But God saw something in Mary that made him choose her. God saw something in this young woman. He saw strength. He saw faith. He saw determination. And I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that God could see something in you or that he does see something in you that you don't see? That in these moments where you might feel confused and disturbed and say, man, it's too unlikely that God could use me. It's too unlikely that God could save my marriage. It's too unlikely that God could bring my kids who don't serve God back into the family of God. It's too unlikely that God could use this little church that's been, you know, a snot-nosed brat. We're only four years old. That he could put us on the side of the freeway to be a church that absolutely sees revolutionary revival in the city of Eugene and Springfield when nobody thinks that's possible. Do you think that God could see something that you don't see? 
Do you think he could look into you and go, man, you feel insecure and you feel wounded and you feel burdened by all the the things of your past, but I see something in you that you don't see and I'm calling it out of you. I believe that. I believe God sees something in each and every one of you that he wants to unleash and bring out. But here's the deal. God is looking for people to demonstrate his glory through and he works in weakness. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He's talking about a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. Maybe it was a sickness or maybe it was a person. Many spouses throughout history have called their significant other their thorn in the flesh. I have the honor of being that for my wife, Bethany, just to help her spiritual maturity, you know, just to help her become more like Jesus by dealing with me. It's only half joking. Paul says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Listen to this line. This is the Lord speaking to Paul. My power works best in weakness. What does that mean, God? Doesn't power mean strength? No, God says, my power works best in weakness. And he goes on. Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the oxymoron, the irony of God working in weakness. It's the irony of Christmas, the unlikeliness of Christmas, that God would decide to work through weakness rather than strength. He could have shown up with Chuck Norris, Angel Armies, Iron Man, and all the armies of of Lord of the Rings, you know, whatever. He could have showed up in strength, and that's what we would do. It's not what he did, because he was demonstrating strength through weakness Here's the deal. When your success comes from your strength, from your brilliance, from your intelligence, from your area of genius, when it comes through your strength, you get the glory. But when your success comes from God's strength, despite your weakness, God gets the glory. And this is how he chooses to work through us. It's fascinating to me that God oftentimes doesn't allow us to shine in the area of our strength. Rather, he puts us out in front of everyone in the area of our weakness Because in that situation, he gets the glory. And that's why it's confusing and disturbing oftentimes when God comes and says, hey, I'm calling you to do something. You know, just be transparent with you guys. My whole life, I've struggled deeply with being insecure. I'm a perfectionist. Okay, I want you to to understand something. And you all have your own idiosyncrasies, so you can just feel, uh, feel bad for me or whatever and figure it out for yourself. But we've all got these things, so... I've, I've been insecure my whole life, dealt with wanting to, to please everyone, dealt with wanting to not do anything wrong and, and make sure everything I did was absolutely perfect. Getting up in front of people, having my words broadcast over the internet with zero filter and no net, feels like being on a trapeze butt naked every single Sunday. You're welcome. Coming in front of everyone, and, and especially during COVID and having to talk about, well, here's what we're going to do, and the governor can do this and all that. Oh, that feels awesome. No, it doesn't. I would rather sit in my lair all by myself and craft a perfectly written, eloquently edited nine times, run through spell check message that I could read from a teleprompter. Do you see what I'm saying? And yet God said, no, Jake, you're going to be up in front. You got to speak. You have to get out there and just go ahead and do it. And God uses me in the area of my weakness. People are like, oh, you, you love it up there. You love it. Oh, I have fun. I have fun, especially now. I've been doing this for many years. 
But, but every week, every Sunday, I come in with a bit of a tremble and a shake because I'm insecure. And God is working in me, come on, right? Helping me. But God wants to use me in an area of weakness so that I can't go, man, oh, this is my area of strength. I know it isn't. I know it isn't. But God works in our weaknesses. And you might be sitting there going, well, I could never. I love when people say this to me. Well, I could never do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, wow, you're just giving the Lord, like, you're making his job easy to know <laughs> what he wants you to do. This is a little secret. Just never. You can read your mind. That's the problem. But never utter it, right? If, like, whatever that thing is that you really don't want to do, just be like, I would love to do that. Oh, I would love to do that. Because then maybe you'll trick the Holy Spirit. Is that how it works? Is that going to work for you? When it comes from God's strength, despite your weaknesses, he gets the glory. Where you know, he knows, and everybody knows, you couldn't do that without me, without God. I want to give you three thoughts today about achieving unlikely purpose. Number one, it starts with responding in faith. Responding in faith. It says in verse 38 of the passage in Luke that we just read about Mary, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. The right response when the Lord calls you to do something unlikely, when he comes to you, hey, I want to call you to this next level, is to say, I'm a servant, and God, I'm going to root for everything you said. It's not about me. It's about what you said. I'm going to put my faith in that. She was confused and disturbed. That was her emotional state but she responded correctly to God. Many times we think, oh, I have to like change everything. No, it's about just saying, yes, Lord, let everything you said come to pass. A faith response isn't about how you feel or how confident you are in yourself. It's about trusting in God. And that's what God is looking for. God is looking for a faith response. He's not looking for an all-star. He's looking for the, the you know, single A ball player who's willing to just take a swing. You with me? He's looking for a heart of faith that says, God, I'm a servant, so I'll do what you have called me to do. Okay, you're in the game. Okay, Lord, may everything you said come to pass, because if what you said doesn't, I'm I'm, I'm done for, right? But it starts with this response of faith. Let me give you this thought about faith. Faith is the willingness to take the first step while trusting God with the outcome. How many dreams and how many visions and how many wonderful things and unlikely things that God wanted to accomplish in someone's life were were destroyed or thwarted or aborted because the person was worried about the outcome rather than trusting God to take one step? How many times do do we kill the God dream or the God vision in our life worrying about what may be, what might be, and trying to cross bridges that we haven't come to yet? Worrying about the outcome rather than trusting in the God that proclaimed and spoke to you and called you and formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb that knows you better than you know yourself and said, I see in you a future and a hope and I see in you a destiny and I see in you that I can work through your weakness for my glory to do something great and change the world and all we're called to do in the response of faith is to take that first step. But we often mess it up worrying about the outcome. Isn't it interesting that as adults, We're always thinking about the outcomes. All I think about is outcomes, but children never think about outcomes. My three kids never think about the outcome. I'm always like, think about what could happen. Please think ahead. Please think ahead. They're like, nope, I only think right in the moment. But isn't it interesting that Jesus said, you have to be like a little child to enter into the kingdom. 
because a child says, I will trust my father and take one step even though I have no confidence in the outcome. I don't see it. Wouldn't it be nice if God came and was like, let me just give you your readout. Hold on a second. Thank you for coming. You've prayed your, uh, uh, your 10 hours of prayer. Now we're going to give you your life readout. Hold on a second. Could you print that out, angel? And they bring it over and it comes out. And So when you're 38, you'll be married. And no, you're not going to live forever alone with cats. You're going to get married. And also, you're going to be making 75000 Is that okay? Yeah, a year. You're going to retire at 65, live to 84, and uh, you're going to die in a hurricane. But uh, it's going to be quick and painless. You know, like, that's not what happens, you know? But how many of us would be like, yes, that's what I need, right? And if you think about it, we spend a bunch of money, we spend, we spend time, we think about it, we're worried about outcomes. God does not give you the outcome. The outcome is actually never, uh, never given to you because you're called to walk by faith, not by sight. Children get this. Like, my kids, I'm like, guys, could you think about the outcome, the ramification, what could happen. Like on Sunday morning every week, we have what's called Serial Sunday. So Serial Sunday is that on Sundays, we're busy getting ready for church, whatever. The kids, they get to just go and get whatever cereal they want out of the pantry and they, they take care of it. Now, I don't know what fool developed milk containers. Milk is like the thing you literally don't want to spill. They, they literally had to come up with an idiom to say, don't cry about spilled milk because you want to cry about it when it spills. If it spills in your carpet, your house is going to smell like someone committed an atrocity in there. You know what I'm saying, right? You ever had milk spill in your car? This is why people with young families, don't ever buy a car from somebody with a young family. I can tell you unspeakable things are in the carpet. We, we had to drive our car into the river when we got a new one because nobody would buy it. I mean, it was just get rid of it, burn the evidence. So milk, you know, I watch my daughter, Evie, she's doing good now, but man, for the past few years, that's been an adventure every Sunday, and she has no consideration for the outcome. She grabs the milk, her hand is shaking the whole time. It's two, isn't it a gallon? What are they? And they put it in the flimsiest plastic, no other container is shaped like that, right? And so she gets it up there, there's, you know, and then, and it fills the cereal, and somehow she doesn't spill it, right? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Kids don't think about the outcome. They're just grabbing the milk. You know? <laughs> That's how we're supposed to be when it comes to faith. Take the first step. Grab the milk container. Do what God's called you to do. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen. Worry about what's happening now that he's calling you to take this step. Number two. Find people that encourage your faith. Find people that encourage your faith. Think about in the story that I just read to you that Mary gets this confusing, disturbing, difficult assignment. And she's pretty overwhelmed by it. And she goes to her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth said, you're blessed. You're highly favored. What God spoke to you is going to happen. Even the child within me leaped, leapt with joy. She encourages her faith. She strengthens her heart, and she believed in her. Now, I want to tell you, we live in the most technologically connected time in human history. You can go online. You can talk to people, meet people. 
You know, you can go to christianmingle.com and even find a, a relationship, you know, whatever. You can, you can get connected. But on social media, there's this illusion of connectivity. But oftentimes it's easier, and we actually get drawn as human beings to the negative. It's easier to get around a bunch of negative people, people that are mad about this or mad about that or critical of this person or that or critical of you, whatever. It's easy to get all those kind of relationships and actually neglect the people that encourage your faith. But you know what you need to do? If you're saying, God, I want to respond to this message. I want to see you do unlikely things through my life. I want to trust you and respond in faith. You've got to get around people that actually encourage your faith, that speak to the destiny of God in your heart, that blow on the ember of faith in your heart so that it actually creates a flame and a spark. Come on, you got to get around people that are going to say, hey, you can do better. You can be better. God has more for you than right now. You're going to get through this. You're going to move ahead. Come on, that'll actually challenge you sometimes and say, what you're doing isn't good. You got to do better. Come on, you can be better than that. We believe in you. We need to get around people like this, people that encourage our faith. You know, if only we had some sort of a strategy for once a week, getting together with people of faith to encourage each other in the Lord. Wouldn't that be a good idea? We should start something like that here. Yes, we have them. <laughs> They're called joy groups. You're like, well, I don't like my joy group. They're not encouraging me in faith. Then change it. <laughs> be the solution. It's easy to be a critic. It's hard to be somebody who transforms the atmosphere. But we didn't just go, hmm, you know, we're supposed to do... Oh, see where the wind's blowing. If you have a church, you have to do small groups. Uh, that's not what we did. From the very beginning of Joy Church, we said, you, we, we know that to be the, the church, the life-giving church, the strong church, the faith-filled church, we're not just going to be able to just gather together on Sundays and have a big party and then disperse into the city. We're going to have to link together in groups, smaller groups, to be able to encourage each other in faith, to speak into each other's lives, to encourage each other, to be there to pray, to be there to, to, be there to, to say, hey, what you're doing isn't good. How many of you know the people of faith that will encourage your faith are going to speak to the, the destiny of God in you? They're going to actually elevate you rather than just de-elevate you or tell you that everything about you is perfect and you never need to change. If you want to be mediocre, then stick around people that are at your level or worse that make you feel good about yourself in some milk of human kindness, self-esteem kind of club. But if you want to grow into the destiny of God and do the things he's formed and fashioned you to do, even before the day you were born, you're going to have to get around some people that make you a little bit uncomfortable because they're playing at a higher level than you. You're going to have to get around people that love Jesus more than you do, and their passion for God is attractive to you, and it causes you to rise up to that level because they're more passionate than you, and you realize that your spiritual life is deader than dirt. you got to get around those people that you're like, dang, that person just never stops praying. Where's my sister Tamara Blotney at? She loves Jesus so much more than me. Tamara's online right now, but Tamara loves Jesus more than all of us, and we need to get around her. You want to love Jesus more? Poor Justin, man. He has to continue to just grow, right? Because Tamara's passion. I think about many of you, you have such an excellence of spirit and excellence of faith. And you get around, man. We have wonderful people sitting in the back, John and Lee Gallinger and their family that planted a church in Liberia, West Africa. That's a little bit intimidating to me, you guys. Could you dial it down a little bit? I don't want to sacrifice at that level. I think about Pastor Mark and Lori Harpam that have been serving Jesus for 30, 40 years, loving Jesus. How many years, Lori? Just give us a ballpark. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I'm challenged. They're here serving every single Sunday. You don't take any time off? No, I try to get them to take more time off. 
To get Mark to take a vacation is almost like pulling teeth. Huh, Lori? <laughs> I'm just teasing. Kyle and Kayla, Nikki, I mean, you guys, all of us here, there's somebody that will challenge you, encourage you, build you up, but they're going to challenge you in your faith, and we need to get around people. I want to challenge you to get into group and take it seriously and believe, man, I'm getting around people that are going to help me grow into the potential of who God's called me to be. Number three, I'm not passionate about it. I just Number three, we need to take that step of faith. We respond in faith. We get around people that are encouraging to us, but then we actually need to take that step of faith. Mary, it says in verse 56 of Luke, uh, whatever chapter we're in, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months, and then it says she went back to her own home. She went to Elizabeth's house. It was safe there. They be- she believed in her there, right? She was, be- was before her and behind her. and She trusted her. But then Mary actually had to go back to Nazareth in order to fulfill her destiny. She was encouraged. She was in that safe place. She got developed there, but then she actually went back to the place of potential shame, the place of criticism, the place where people, even years later, would whisper behind her, her son's a bastard, right? It's illegitimate. Jesus literally, it says in his ministry that they, people would whisper about him. He's a bastard. He's illegitimate. Even for 30 years later, nobody believed her story. She had to face that. She had to go back to this place of discomfort because that was the place of destiny. And let me just tell you right now, as a Christian following Jesus, you're going to have to step out in life and actually say, I'm willing to take that first step of faith, not knowing the outcome, not knowing what's going to happen, but because I trust in the word of God that he's going to fulfill all that he said, and I'm willing to step out and actually enter into the fray. I love uh, Nike shoes, and I love Nike brand, you know, and I love the, the, the attitude of just do it. I'm a competitor. We're going to Just do it. Just step out. Take that step of faith. And God wants to put that same spirit inside of us that says, I'm here for the battle. I'm here for it all. Let me just tell you, the the heart of Joy Church is the heart of a champion. Our church is about winning the spiritual battle in our city. We're not shrinking back from the challenges ahead of us. In fact, we eat challenges for breakfast and we spit them out and say, can I have some more, please? Spiritually, we come to a difficult community because we want to see victory. We're not looking to go find the most church community in the whole world and everybody already agrees with everything. No, we want to be in a place where the light needs to shine because there's some darkness. Come on. But God wants to call you out to be bold and courageous and step out in faith and see God do miracles in your life. He wants to blow your mind. He wants to make you go, wow, Celine Dion almost ran into me today. That's so unlikely, but it happened. It was so unlikely that this broken marriage was restored. It was so unlikely that this child that had departed from God came back and is serving Jesus. It was so unlikely that my neighbors, who I never got along with now, are serving Jesus and sitting in church with me. It was so unlikely that these relationships that were broken are healed. It was so unlikely that God healed me. It was so unlikely, but it happened in faith because you took that step. God delights to use unlikely people in unlikely places, in unlikely ways, to achieve unlikely purposes. The story of Christmas is highly unlikely, and it absolutely applies to us today. God invaded this planet, and he didn't do it in the way we thought he would. He came in weakness, and he did something so mighty and so strong, transformed the world, and made a way for us to be reconciled with him. And God wants to do something unlikely in your life. Will you respond in faith this morning? Be willing to step forward 
God's putting something in each and every one of our hearts, whether you're online or here in the room today, you know what I'm saying is true. You feel it. It's like, it's like blowing on that ember and it starts to take flame. And there's been dreams and there's visions and there's things in your life and your heart that right now there's potential shame or insecurity or whatever it may be and it's holding you back. I just believe the Lord right now wants to take those things out, encourage your faith and say, take that next step. This morning in my prayer time, sorry, Judah, I'm crashing on you there. This morning in my prayer time, I just was believing there was going to be somebody watching online today. Maybe you've been a part of Joy Church in the past or are a part of Joy Church and you've been not doing so well, but you decided to watch today and the Lord wanted me to tell you, and I don't know who it is, or what, but he wanted me to tell you that he was just calling you back to take this step of faith, whatever that means, to take that step of faith, not to give up, not to be ashamed, not to be embarrassed, not to be, you know, saying, well, I can't move forward in God. I don't know what that means, but I believe there's someone that needed to hear that. For all of us, we need to hear that. There's always a next step with Jesus. Always a next step. Always a next step. Whether you've been serving the Lord for 30 years or three minutes, there's always a next step. Let's lift up our hands today. God, we respond in faith to your word. We say, I'm your servant. May everything you've said come to pass. At your word, oh God, we're going to act. We're going to respond in faith and we're going to step forward to do what you've called us to do and to be who you've called us to be. Right now, I come against shame. I come against condemnation. I come against the the failures of our past, those memories that play, and, and it seems to disqualify us from being and doing what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, those are broken, and I pray for faith and a fresh expectation in Jesus' name. That, Lord, the the, the times of the past, even this past year that's been hard for many of us, Lord, we're moving forward, always moving forward, willing to take that next step. We put our faith in you, God. I pray that faith would arise in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every week, people come to church here in person or attend online or even watching a replay, and you need to give your life to Jesus. That number one step, that act of faith initially is to say, I don't trust in my own goodness to get me in with God and I don't, and I don't over magnify my own fallenness to take me away from him. I trust in Jesus that what he did for me when he gave his life at the cross was sufficient to save me and to make me right with God. And we can initiate that today by simply putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross. So I want to ask you, if you're here today or watching online, I just want you to pray this prayer with me as an act of faith, as a confirmation that you're going to trust in Jesus with your salvation. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that I've not lived up to your standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with you. I give you my life, all the good and all the bad, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.